Welcome to Making a Scene, the only podcast that didn't really care if the Jamaican bobsled team came out on top or not. I'm Harrison Williams. And I'm Chris Fabian. Each week we invite you to our chaotic thoughts on film, television, and everything in between. And this week, sports ball movies. Sports ball movies. And this week, we have a special guest. We have Tyler. Yeah, we do. We have Tyler coming over from Unpopular But True, a fantastic sports <laughs> podcast fan freaking tastic sports mm-hmm. podcast tyler tell us a little bit about your podcast and what uh, what y'all are about hey folks i am tyler johnson one of the co-hosts of unpopular but accurate harrison likes to grind my gears and do say things incorrectly all the time but that's fine he does it all the time but i'm one of two co-hosts the other co-host is david he and i chop it up all the time on unpopular accurate a whole gimmick it's just to kind of give you takes that clearly aren't popular and should be accurate. You know, I like to think that mine are a lot more accurate than David's. He has a lot of inaccurate takes, but it's not fair for me to say that. He's not here to defend himself. He does pretty well. So uh, you can catch us on Spotify. You can catch us on RSS.com, or you can catch us on Instagram and our Facebook page at just simply the show name, Unpopular But, but Accurate. true. Yep. But only, cool. Thank you for letting me be here. Yeah, absolutely. Always excited to talk to our friends from Unpopular But True and get a little bit of synergy going on. <laughs> so we are going to be talking, like Chris said, about sports movies today. Tyler, as you are the resident sports expert, what would you say makes a good sports ball movie? A good sports ball movie. One, let's just get the obvious out of the way, and it's got to be true for every movie, right? you got to have a compelling story. You know, you can't just tell a, a movie about a little league team that, you know, almost won the state championship. They better win the state championship, right? So, you know, we got to have that compelling story. I need something that's going to draw me in as a consumer. But you, what makes it compelling, though, right? you got to have your underdog. If you don't have an underdog, Rocky, underdog, right? Rudy, underdog. Remember the Titans? Not really underdogs. They were the greatest team out there, but they were underdog against race. We'll get into that more later on. Focus on the human story in it. Remember the Titans get you there. Issues that are going on around that time. Clearly race was big then. Rocky even incorporated the Cold War in some of their movies. I thought that was fantastic in some of the movie production going on. Ali incorporated the times that was going on with the Vietnam War and how he didn't want to get drafted. But, you know, incorporating that other element, not just being solely about sports. I don't think sports is what makes it great. What makes it great is incorporating the time that that sports movie is actually in. So that's kind of some of my popular takes, but most important. And remember this one, quality villains, right? You got to have a quality bad guy out there. I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but. Yeah. So the one thing that stood out was you said that they, the, a compelling story and they have to win. So I don't, I don't remember if Bad News Bears is an example of this, but like Bad News Bears, they're an underdog or. We're going to be spoiling a bunch of sports movies, by the way. But, like, I don't know. Some of the ones that I've got on my list, they don't win at the end. So do you feel like they have to win for it to be a great sports movie? So, like, Friday Night Lights. Rocky. Rocky. Mystery Alaska. Do they have to win? Or is that? Not necessarily. Like, I would agree with you there. Um, we got to have some some form of winning to a degree. So when you, I mean, we're talking about the Little League team, if you're going to tell a story about a Little League team, you can't take me to the championship and have them lose. I don't think that's compelling, right? 
Okay. But in the cases of like Rocky, in the cases of like Friday Night Lights, you know, you got this team that's supposed to be perfect and they're a winning machine already. So I think what made that movie great was that they did lose because they were already that winning machine. They had already won several state championships in the past, okay. right? So, no, I, I would agree with you. They don't have to win in the very end. Okay. And so if you're thinking about the characters being compelling or the sports team being compelling, what what makes a compelling character a compelling villain or a compelling team to follow in a in a sport in a sports movie well uh, I, I correct me i mean you guys give me your opinion on this because this is more in your area of expertise because you guys break down film all the time i'm just breaking down plays when people are doing stupid things so <laughs> at the end of the day i think you got to have a, a, a good villain a quality villain right and i think the villain has to be the best actor in the whole film for it to even even I, I guess for the word I'm looking for, for it to be great, right? Like, what brings me to mind, Batman. Granted, this is not sports, but Heath Ledger probably played the greatest villain of all time. And that's probably one of the best Batman films of all time. So when I come to sports and I'm thinking of villains, let's look at Remember the Titans, right? There really wasn't a villain in that movie. But what was the main villain was was racism. Okay. And, and, you know, racism can have has so many different ways that you could portray it as a villain in movies. It wasn't just one person that was causing the racism. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was a great villain because you could transfer it to whoever you wanted it to, to have it at that point in time. But then you look at movies like Happy Gilmore, right? And, <laughs> and, and Blades of Glory and yeah. Dodgeball, right? Yeah. So, you know, you, those villains in those movies, they were absolutely hilarious and they didn't miss a beat every time they were on camera. So mm-hmm. that, to me you got to have a great villain, otherwise the movie just falls flat. Okay. It's funny you mentioned Adam Sandler movies, because you were talking about villain, and the first thing I thought about was actually the Waterboy, and Mm -hmm. how, like, by the way, like, by your description, that Mama would be the villain. And then I was like, well, it's Kathy Bates, who is very much the best actor in that movie. Mm -hmm. So, but it's, it's a different kind of thing in sports movies. Like... So in a traditional narrative, like you have your good guy, bad guy, usually. Mm -hmm. And in a sports movie, a lot of times the villain is either just like this vague other, like the other team. Yeah. You know, in in like a boxing movie or MMA movie, like obviously you have the, you know, the opponent in the upcoming fight. But a lot of times it is more of a. Like you said, and remember the Titans, it's racism, it's the system, it's the way things are. So right. sports movies do kind of give you a way to explore kind of different avenues in that way. And I don't think it necessarily needs to have a villain, but like you said, the villain, quote unquote, or the source of the, the conflict can often present itself in different ways in a sports movie. And I think that's one of the reasons that they are so compelling to people. Well, so there's a natural adversity built. And I think that's kind of what, that's the way I would describe it is it's not necessarily a villain, but going back to the conflict, it's some sort of adversity. So like thinking about a movie like, like field of dreams, for instance, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. considered one of the best baseball movies of all time. And there's not like, there, there are some people that are seen as kind of villainous in the movie. But I think what makes that such a compelling sports film is the adversity that Kevin Costner's character, Ray Kinsella, is facing with his crops or, you know, his whole farm is failing. He's trying to get this connection. You know, he's trying to figure out this mystery of, you know, what the hell is this voice and, you know, where is it coming from? 
And so, you know, I, I think to your point, the, the adversity is the is the thing that really kind of drives the narrative in a lot of these stories. Well, there's uh, more than that in Field of Dreams because you have James Earl Jones character, the author. Yeah. Um, Field of Dreams is interesting in that it does paint this kind of idyllic view of baseball. It's this very Americana kind of thing, but it's not it doesn't ignore the fact that the history of baseball is very intertwined with the history of America and there's some less than savory parts and they explore that through his character. I definitely agree it's definitely one of the better baseball movies out there because it gives you that sort of fantasy nostalgic kind of view of baseball but it also doesn't shy away from like some of the more unpleasant realities that kind of surrounded the right the real life you know history of the sport and the country that you know it represents yeah so tyler if if that to you is what makes a good sports movie mm-hmm. what what are some examples or what are some things that just like if you're thinking about just like the worst sports movies you can think of or things that are just completely missing the mark with with regards to how you portray sports in a movie. Can you think of any examples or anything that kind of comes to mind as like a quality you would just absolutely hate to see? That I would hate to see out there? I don't know. Because I, I kind of like this movie, but at the end of the day, I thought about it. It's kind of like, it's kind of cheesy. Have you guys seen the movie Facing the Giants? It sounds vaguely I'm, familiar. I'm familiar with it. Okay. Was it, that one of the, was that one of those like kind of like Christian? Yes movies yeah it's the one where everyone plays this one scene like if they're just trying to motivate you know whether it's a team or or heck even like you know, harrison and i used to be sales managers you could use it to motivate agents as a it's a scene where this guy's carrying this kid on his back it's a football movie and he's trying to say hey i need you to carry him on the back to the 50 yard line and he's telling him he's getting him up to the 50 yard line and the kid's like i don't think i can make it i don't think i can get there he's like don't you quit on me brock don't you quit on me brock and then Brock's like, I can't do it, coach. I can't do it, coach. And the coach comes back and says, don't you quit on me. And all of a sudden, Brock just finds his second win, right? Like every sports movie has this. Has a, Let me get my second win right now. And so he starts taking off a little bit further. He's like, come on, Brock. And, like, for some reason, the coach, like, had, like, an in- injection of steroids in his system because he was raging at this point in the movie. And he's like, come on, don't you quit on me. Don't you quit on me, Brock. You better not quit on me. And by the time Brock finishes, not only did he get to the 50-yard line, he got all the way through the other end to the end zone. So he went 100 yards instead of 50 yards, right? Best part of that whole movie, I think that's what makes that movie, but it just can't be super cheesy like that. I mean, everything happened perfectly for them in that movie for it to just culminate into them winning the championship at the end. So, like, you know, it, I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of adversity there. It was more along the lines of the, the coach had adversity in that movie because him and his wife couldn't have a baby. And then all of a sudden, yeah. at the end of the movie, they could have the baby. But there was, like, no real strain oh on their relationship. It's like, where are we going with this? Or is this just a, a really happy-go-lucky story that this is just what this movie is going to be about? And it's kind of yeah. how it played out. So is it the element of kind of, like, detachment from reality? Like, is it that this doesn't seem like a story that would actually play out in a real season? I guess, but I think a lot of things that happen in sports movies don't happen in reality. Wouldn't you agree on that? Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Kind of like, I mean, let's look at it like this, right? If we're going to do a movie that based on something that was true, more often than not, it was something that was extraordinary. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. Because we're not telling stories about a really successful team that 
just won some some games, right? There's got to be some type of grandiose, and, and tell me if you disagree, but I feel like there's got to be some type of grandiose achievement that's about that that's going to happen in that movie in order for it to 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 culminate to being a great sports movie. And it, granted, there can be failure in the end, like like we just talked about earlier. But most cases, most sports movies, you're going to have the good guy winning. So okay, but to answer your question, yeah. it can't be that far away from reality. No, gotcha. Okay. Now, do you mean that if it's specifically based on a true story or because I, I feel like there's a lot of a lot of sports movies have some very overtly fantastic elements to it and just uses the particular sport as a way to kind of it just as a backdrop for this this other story that's kind of being told. Like the the one I think about is Angels in the Outfield, you mm-hmm. know, like that's. Okay. No, very much not based in reality, but it is the story of this this boy who you know believes in his dad that he's gonna you know live with his dad if the angels win the pennant and all this kind of stuff and yeah that's not the way it yeah that's that's not the yeah. way it plays out but it's that journey that the movie is really about yeah okay well you gotta also look at it like most. <sighs> Here's the thing. There are some, let's look at it like this. Air Bud, obviously not really going to happen, right? Good movie. It might. Okay. (laughs) Possibly. More often than not, not happening, right? All right. I don't got a dog out here averaging 20 points a game. So that was a good movie. I'm not putting it in my top 10 or even my honorable mentions, but I mean, it's a decent movie. Unrealistic. So it can be out of touch with the reality like like you're saying everybody loves air bud i mean i don't think you guys hated that movie did you nah no i think it just the only problem with it is it, it seems like it's in the same camp as like marley and me or my dog skip where like part of like it, it feels like it's kind of and this doesn't have much to do with like the sports aspect of it mm-hmm. but i feel like it's i don't know it's kind of tricky to call it a sports movie yeah. Kind of in the same way that we were talking about Angels in the Outfield kind of uses sports to frame the narrative that they're trying to tell. I feel like Airbud kind of does that in the same way, but it's a relationship with a, go- a kid and his dog versus yeah. a kid mm-hmm. and his estranged father. So, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's, <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> it's fine. Marley and me, you better not ever talk junk about Marley and me again. Okay? No, there's there's great movies. It's just they are they feel a little manipulative in that they seem specifically designed to get you really attached to the dog very quickly, and then they force you to watch its worst moments. <laughs> like right. yeah. my, my dog Skip, yeah. Marley and me, and Airbud. I don't remember if Airbud dies in any of the Airbud movies, which I really hope there is like a final Airbud movie where like they just kill it. But really? but like Marley and me, they get you attached, and then like it's not it's Jesus. not like they just wake up one day and Marley is has passed, right? Like there's this whole play, long played out thing with Marley starting to get sick and running away, and then you know, and then with my dog Skip, they smack the damn dog in the head with a shovel. So I don't, I mean, Jesus. I don't want to see that. Yeah, go back and watch that movie, Frankie Muniz. I'm calling you out. You let that happen. You don't want to see that, but you but you want to kill Airbud. I don't I don't understand. What it's not that I want to kill Airbud. I just think all all great heroes have to come to an end at some point, right? Otherwise, you know, what are we talking about here? You're Do you have any PETA you know, audience members? Out not there? not anymore. Not as of about thirty yeah. seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. So getting off of 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 sports mo- or of pet movies. 
So I, I know that you have comp- have compiled somewhat of a list of, in your expert opinion, the tip mm-hmm. top. So go ahead and tell us about all of your wrong opinions, and we'll kind of tell you why you're wrong. Wow. Okay. So let's let's start. I don't have any particular order for my top ten. Okay. But I do have a number one. So hopefully that kind of helps you out a little bit. Okay. I will, let's start here. I don't know if you guys saw this movie. It came out fairly recently. It's it's a movie about WWE. I'm a huge WWE fan, but it featured The Rock in it. It's called Fighting With My Family. That was the one with Florence Pugh, and oh, it had uh, Nick Frost in it as the dad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I did not see it, but I, heard, I, I wanted to. That guy's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, same. Because uh, I, heard, I heard a lot of really good things about that, which is a bit of a surprise coming out of WWE Studios, but, yeah. you know. It was really good. Uh, the, the story of Paige, that's the wrestler in the movie that's featured, is is really awesome. I mean, she, one, she's coming from England. England doesn't get a whole lot of run in the wrestling circuits in America. It's just not as popular over there as it is in the United States. Because, I mean, let's be honest, it really originated over here. It was born in the South. Ric Flair's the godfather. Woo! of wrestling you know what i mean so that's my favorite wrestler by the way if you can't tell but yeah so it starts out like it's just going through not ruin i'm not going to ruin it all the way but it starts out where she's just trying to make it and nobody wants her and then eventually you know she's she's working her way up faces some family adversity in the in the whole thing and there was really some setbacks and then she got her chance in wwe but once you see how she gets there and, and how quickly things starts transpiring for her towards the I don't know. What do you guys call it when when the movie's starting to come to a point climax? But what's it called right after the climax? I mean, after that, I mean, if you're talking about like a basic narrative structure, it's the falling action. But it's, I mean, what like not a cigarette and a beer? (laughs) (laughs) Hey oh yeah. Hey (laughs) I don't know if you could put that in there or not. But anyway, so if you're going to talk about the. The climax falling actually like it's pretty cool how they wrap it up at the end there in that movie. I mean, I think you guys would really enjoy it. I don't know how much stock you guys put into Rotten Tomatoes. I don't put a whole lot of stock into them because I don't believe in them half the time. But they liked it, so like you don't think Rotten Tomatoes exists? No, I wow. Okay, listen, (laughs) I do believe they exist. Clearly, they're there. It's just I don't I don't like the critics on there half the time. So what is the what's the like what's the consensus on Rotten Tomatoes about it? I'm pulling it up right now, but. Like what, what I mean, I think it scored it? like over an 86% or something like that. Maybe an 85 oh. or something. Okay. Yeah. So, so was, some... I remember it being pretty high. Okay. Yeah. And that one, so how many movies, because I know you're a big pro wrestling fan outside mm-hmm. of like sports in general, but so mm-hmm. what, how many movies are there really about that, that like take it seriously, that aren't just like, like the only things I can think of are that and the wrestler that, that handle professional wrestling as a sub, as a st- subject. I can't think of any other movie that does professional wrestling that yeah. made it as big as those two. So that's, I think, another element. Because obviously, I mean, you've only got so many sports that you can dig into. But I think one of the things that I would imagine probably makes that film, if it's done correctly, not just a novelty, but something that really is a lot more engaging to audiences, is if it shows either a new sport that isn't really handled in movies a whole lot, like if you don't have a lot of contemporaries to judge it against, I think it makes it more compelling. But it's also Mm. just a new, it's a new window to look through, right? Like I think about what made Moneyball so successful after all the baseball movies that came before it was Mm. that it still is through and through a baseball movie, but it's not just showing you one season's, you know, rags to riches kind of, come up right i mean it's showing it mm-hmm. it's showing you a completely different angle than anybody's ever seen in baseball and it's using a true story to tell that 
to to, to kind of show you that. So I, I think I would imagine that that fi- it's, it's called fighting with family. Yeah, I would imagine that's yeah. probably a, a similar kind of thing going on there. And, and just kind of want to drive my point home with Rotten Tomatoes. So if any of you critics are out there listening, you gave We Are Marshall a 48%. Are you kidding me? We Are Marshall. Matthew McConaughey is a saint in the movie world. All right? You don't disrespect <laughs> my man. Okay, that's all I'm saying. That was a really good movie. We Are Marshall was a great movie, in my opinion. I thought they did a very good job of capturing exactly what happened, playing off everybody's strings. Matthew McConaughey just has a way of, in the words of Robert Downey Jr. in the movie Tropic Thunder, all right, his tools are the mechanisms that trigger human emotion. That's Matthew (laughs) McConaughey, okay? So Rotten Tomatoes, eat one there. Well, and so you can also see with Rotten Tomatoes on We Are Marshall, they've got a 79% audience score. I think that's the yeah. big – so the problem with Rotten Tomatoes, and this is – we could probably do a whole episode on this, but the mm-hmm. to what I understand, the reason that Rotten Tomatoes is such a flawed system is because it's not taking th- – that percentage doesn't correlate to – out you know from zero to a hundred how much did you like the movie but it's based on your it's a binary thing of you either it either exceeded your expectations or did not live up to your expectations and then if i if i understood it correctly it's like it, so if a movie looks really good and it's still pretty good it's just not as good as people were expecting then that ends up performing pretty bad on rotten tomatoes whereas something that looked like absolute dog shit and then just was like eh, it's 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 not that bad tends to actually do pretty okay on rotten tomatoes on the tomato meter score. So, so that's it's yeah, no, you're, so you're spot on with, with rotten tomatoes sucking a big one. (laughs) I'm with you. Like, like I've always wondered that. I feel like they're telling us that we don't know enough about movies and our feeble minds can't decide what's a great movie and what's not. Yep. (laughs) All right. So let me go on my list. Right. So we got, Fighting with my family. This one was one of my favorite ones as a kid. Another baseball movie, go surprise. And I don't even like baseball like that. Is The Rookie with uh, Dennis Quaid. Okay. Ah, okay. Yeah, that is a good one. Love that movie. That movie was awesome. I, I just, there was just something. It just gave you that homey, hometown feel. Uh, little small town of Texas, you know. Team motivating its coach. Kind of reminds you of that movie. Uh, man, I just can't think. It's got Keanu Reeves in it. He's Hardball. the head coach of that Huh? Hardball? Yeah, kind of reminds you of Hardball there a little bit, right? Yeah. So I really just liked that movie up and down. I thought that was really good production from Disney. Okay. What else you got? Let me move on to the next movie. Yep. Um, 42 with the story of Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Two, two legends there, first off. Let's talk about it. Rest in peace to both of them. Chadwick Boseman playing the role of Jackie Robinson in that movie. I think that mm-hmm. movie just... I think he did a very good job of capturing what Jackie actually went through. Again, as I said earlier, I think what makes a great movie is focusing on the time in which that movie is said to take place in, and they did a really good job incorporating racism in it. In a world now where racism's magnified more more than ever, I think people would go back and watch that movie and, and totally agree that this was a phenomenal movie. I thought it did a really good job capturing how great Jackie Robinson actually was, because a lot of people don't realize that. They just hear it. You know, you hear it. Just accept it to be true, right? But that I thought that movie did a great job capturing how great Jackie Robinson was for the MLB community and how highly they regard him today still. So that's one of my favorites. If we're gonna move down the list, come away from baseball. Friday Night Lights. I mean, mm. fell in love with that mm. movie as a kid. Mm. Gotta love it. Billy Bob Thornton. I don't know. There's just something about that man on camera that makes me stay glued to the screen every time. Yeah. It, 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 
I like his, I guess, what do you guys call it? Range? Is that what you would call it? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. He, yeah. His range is insane. How do you go from Monster Ball to, to to Bad News Bears to Bad Santa, and then now you're doing Friday Night Lights? Like, I was first gonna, off, Billy, okay. go ahead. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I, I do think that this is probably, it's weird to see him in a role that is this likable. Because even... Yeah. Even his films where he is not the bad guy, where he is generally considered the good guy, there's an edge mm-hmm. to him. Like I'm yeah. th- there was, what was the movie? Was it called Bandits with him and Bruce Wayne or Bruce Wayne? Jesus, Bruce, Bruce Willis. I think it was called Bandits. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember that. You talking about where they're going to chase him down, Bonnie and Clyde? Yeah. No. 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 It's called Bandits. It's got Bruce Willis, Billy Bob Thornton, Kate Blanchett. It came out in 2001. But he's like he's not necessarily the good guy or the the good guy, but he's like part of the protagonist. And he, like part of that pair, but he's like the edgier one of the two. But with Friday Night Lights, like there is nothing about his character that seems unscrupulous in the slightest. Like he is kind of the moral compass of the entire movie where, you know, all the different players are going through their own trials and tribulations. You know, there's a there's one scene that I can remember like where. And it's tricky, right, because we talk about how. In film, you've got you know, or in sports films especially, you're you're focusing on the history, the times that it's set. So this movie is set in I think like the early '90s, if I'm not mistaken. And so there's a scene where Billy Bob Thornton is kind of gearing up for the season, and someone across the table from him at dinner starts talking about Booby Miles, who was like the breakout prodigy of the team, and they start getting pretty racist with how they're referring to him, and like it's weird because. He ha- he has this way in that scene of he doesn't verbally say anything to dispute it, but all with his face, he's like showing this like pained look and like it's I don't know. It's just it's it's just weird to see him in the in a role that where he is this much the good guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that was a great movie for him. Just to kind of step out and show you a little different different side to him. Like I said, I thought his range was fantastic and that movie Felt like the train was going to fall off the tracks at any moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to say, not like from a standpoint is the movie's not going to make it. It just felt like the team wasn't going to make it. Even though you, if you know the story, you knew how it was going to end. It just felt like that season was going to get blown up somehow. I mean, yeah. just everything seems to be going wrong at the right, wrong time for that entire team. Whether it's, you know, the abusive father, Booby Miles' injury, or any other issues that was going on with, with the players in there. But, dude, I got that was probably... One of my favorite movies growing up, and I think it came out in 04, so that would have been high school for me, middle school, high school, who cares what time it was, yeah. but very one of my favorite, favorite well, movies. And this movie had, Peter Berg, the director, has a tendency to use him, but this is the first mm-hmm. movie I can think of where it showed that Tim McGraw, out of nowhere, had like killer acting chops. Do you remember he was yeah. the he was the abusive father? He was in another mm-hmm. Peter Berg movie called The Kingdom, where he's like a grieving father, and so it's like the mm-hmm. complete opposite of a role. But yeah, no, he was like, I remember seeing him and having to like do a double take because I was like, shit, is that country singer Tim McGraw putting in like an amazing performance? That is country singer Tim McGraw, man. Great movie. Great movie. Show what was even better, I heard. I never watched the show, but everybody I've talked to loves the show. That That's all. I don't know if you guys did, but. Yeah, I tried to get into it. I, I like the movie better. I think when you, I don't know, I think that that season, there's something so special about that season and what it says about sports as a whole and kind of the commentary it has on like why you're playing the game that yeah. to, to break that up. And this is something we talked about in like our first episode with the difference between like 
how you tell a story through a TV show and how you tell it through a movie. I think this story is a great example of why a movie is in a lot of cases the better medium because you've got a clear, you know, a clear setup of who these characters are, a clear setup of, you know, them going through their season, dealing with all that and then the fallout of what happens at the end of their championship game and that shaping their future. But in the show it they constantly were having to create new new conflicts that just kind of got more and more I don't know. It just it kind of takes away from what it's saying about sports and makes it just another personal drama, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I uh, uh, bet one of the probably one of the best football movies out there. I'm going to save what I think my best football movie is for later, but we'll get there. I would say another movie for me, Rocky movies. I, I couldn't pick any point in particular to put in there because I even like the newer ones. But put all the Rocky movies, just put them in one conglomerate in the top ten for me. Would you include the fifth one in that? Was that the, the one fifth, where he fights? Is oh, that the newest one? Don't know. The, it's like the the street fight one or something. I actually haven't seen it just because so many people I know have been like, "Don't even bother. It's terrible." Because the fourth hmm. one was Ivan Drago, yeah. third one Clubber Lang, and then the first two, of course, you got Apollo Creed. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. I'm seeing the f- I'm... fifth one. According to so the, the info here, recently retired boxer Rocky Balboa falls on hard times after his accountant mismanages his finances. He stages a comeback of sorts by mentoring fiery young boxer Tommy Morrison, or Tommy, who's played by Tommy Morrison, while also trying to mend his shaky relationship with his own son, who is apparently played by his actual son, Sage Stallone. These challenges prove to be at least as tough as any Rocky fight has faced in the ring. He wonders if he will be able to meet them and rise his arms in, or raise his arms in victory again. Interesting. I've, n- mm. I've never heard of this. Yeah. Well, I'm, perhaps there's a reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, let's, let, but it, Rocky Five aside, like, mm-hmm. first one's iconic, second one's iconic. The I think, is, it, is the Drago one not the third Rocky movie? That's, I think the, that's fourth. The, th- it's the fourth. Is it the fourth? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, th- that one was definitely iconic, right? That's when Apollo Creed dies. Am, 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 am I'm pretty sure I got that right. He dies in that movie. Yeah, that's why that's why Rocky takes the fight with Ivan yeah. Drago is because that's what I yeah, about. Ivan Drago literally kills him in the ring, and so yeah. And then even the the Creed movies afterwards were pretty good. Where they just focused on Creed. I thought those were some good movies as well. So yeah. Rocky movies. I mean, let's just talk about it right now. Why is it a great movie? Underdog. Everybody loves a, a underdog fighter. Everybody loves a comeback story. It's got everything you could ever want in a movie, whether it, it, it's got all of it, right? Mm-hmm. So he was on top at one point, and, and, one, and I think it was it the third movie, maybe? He was on top, and yeah. he, the third movie was well, he was on top, but he had found out that his manager had been booking easy matches for him, so his reputation had been ruined to a degree. And so he had to earn back his reputation. So I think that's what was going down in the third movie. And then, of course, the Ivan Drago happened after that. So, so I mean, you got it all with, with the Rocky film, so... Okay. There's a statue in Philadelphia for a reason. There you go. That's all you can do now. For a fictional character. Uh, <laughs> only in America. Uh, <laughs> um, you also got Rudy. Rudy's one of the top, one of my top favorite movies of all time. Huge underdog role, right? Just let people know you're good old boy off the street. You can just go and put some pads on and just start playing for Notre Dame football. Can you believe that? <laughs> you know, just. <laughs> so, yeah. Rudy, Rudy was definitely a good movie, but mm-hmm. it. 
It's a little bit stained because I've heard that Rudy himself is kind of a giant tool. Mm-hmm. And, like, at the end of the day, what did he do? He played one down in a game that didn't matter and did almost nothing. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was a good movie, but just I can't I can't get out of my head all the stories I've heard about how, like, he's a complete jackass in real life. And, <laughs> you know, I, they made a movie about him, and so, like, he it went to his head, I guess. I heard that same thing yeah. about radio Really? Oh yeah. No, I. I okay, heard, heard I was ra- about to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've heard radio is. Uh, <laughs> I've heard he's a very. <laughs> Jesus, dude. You're burning in hell, Harrison. Yeah, probably. What is wrong with you? These are conversations we have off mic, sir. <laughs> I do want to watch videos of that if that's out there. Radio losing his crap on people. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Radio having a Christian Bale moment. You bring him you bring him back one pie, not two. He asks you for both the whole time. <laughs> I mean, I'd, he would he would probably tear everything up in that diner. Just going to town. Radio, if you are listening. I actually I think he might have did he I don't want to he did. He okay. passed away like I think two or three years ago. So if you're he listening did. With that big shopping cart in the sky, I want you to know that we we would love for you to come on any time that you'd like to. We'll, we'll set up a seance or whatever. Yeah, you we'll need. we'll get a medium in here. Yeah, and, we'll set up a yeah. seance. We'll make it. We'll do it right. Tyler will Who's come got back. The, Harrison's got a Ouija board, so we're good. Whatever you call it, thing. <laughs> Wedgie board, Ouija board, Ouija. It's, it's a mouse pad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up. Let's see, Rocky movies. We went through. Yeah, we got all those. Okay, cool. Ollie, Will Ferrell's. Uh, Will Ferrell's, goodness gracious. Let's scratch wow. that from the recording. <laughs> Will Smith's, maybe too many Miller Lights so far. Will Smith in Ali, I liked his acting role in that one. Ali was a movie I watched once or twice. I haven't really seen it a whole lot of times since mm-hmm. then. I'm one of those dudes that consumes a movie and kind of forgets about it to a degree. So don't shame me. I know you guys are movie fanatics. So it's because I spend a lot of time with sports. That's what it is, boys. All right. So um, I've heard some criticism. Ahead. I've heard some criticism mm-hmm. of Ali. Not so much in the story itself, but so like... There, there. I feel like there are a couple of movies that, and weirdly, I think they were both sports movies, the ones that I can specifically think of, where there was kind of some debate as to whether or not Will Smith's kind of affectation of the character he's playing was, like, good. So I remember hearing that about Will Smith's take on Ali's voice. And then also, was it Concussion that he was playing? I think, like, an African doctor? Mm-hmm. So, do, I don't know. Do yeah. you... Do you have any, did you feel like that took you out of it, seeing somebody as kind of uh, recognizable as Will Smith, where like a lot of the movies he's just playing himself as so-and-so, like doing a more kind of, more of an attempt to fully embody like a voice and mannerisms and all that kind of stuff with Ali? No, I didn't think that. Okay. I thought Will Smith did his best to portray one of the most iconic figures in American sports history. Yeah. You know, I I don't I don't know of any man on this earth or any excuse me, actor on this earth that could portray Ali better than what he did. Sure. Uh, in, in my opinion, okay. cuz I feel like it's it's like it's hard shoes to fill mm-hmm. and you're never going to captivate people like Ali did cuz Ali was was Muhammad Ali was so authentic to himself. That's just who he was. Like he was this showboating a uh, trash talking individual who just had this I, I don't know what what could whatever you want to call it charisma ambience about him that 
he just couldn't replicate, and that's why he was so magnetic, and that's why people latched on to him. And, and I think that's why people call him the greatest boxer in the world, even though record-wise and statistically, he's not the greatest boxer in the right. world, you know? So, you know, well, the story of Sugar Ray Leonard is – or Sugar Ray – I think yeah, Sugar Ray Leonard. I, I got that right. Yeah. I was doubting yeah. myself at first. Don't doubt yourself, Tyler. You're a good sports guy. You know the people. But anyway, Sugar Ray Leonard, the story of him is going to be – is way better than Muhammad Ali's. He never – he Sugar Ray Leonard won so many fights, just mm-hmm. the capacity of fights that he had. But anyway, this is not about talking about who's better, but – this Muhammad Ali is so captivating. I think it's almost impossible to actually. I think it's the same as asking someone to play Joker in a sequel film from The Dark Knight and trying to replicate what Heath Ledger did. You're just not going to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I well, think it's it a is worth pointing out, though, that Will Smith actually did receive a Best Actor nomination at the Academy Awards for that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that was a hard time for. And this may be a podcast down the road, but that's a hard. That was a hard time for African Americans to win anything in movies. So, yeah. Chris Rock kind of went on a huge rant about that a couple of years mm-hmm. back. So, I don't know if you guys have hit on that, but that'd be an interesting podcast. Uh, I wouldn't mind sitting in on that and giving you my my viewpoint on it. But come on, yeah, I think it would be a great podcast. But anyway, moving on to happier movies. This one's in my list because, as I think, as a child, everybody on everyone even on this podcast would probably put this in their top ten. If you don't, shame on you. The Sandlot, right? Yep. Come on. Iconic movie, you're killing me, Smalls. The big dog. You got James Earl Jones. I mean, taking the baseball signed by Babe Roof, not knowing who it is, and then trying to replace it. That movie just had it all. I loved it. Uh, typical kid, corny. I have a confession. Movie. Go ahead. I've seen about half of that movie one time no. in middle school. Yeah, I, I. So before we rip you to absolute shreds, uh-huh. <laughs> try to defend. So what? What was it? No, in honesty, what? What was it about the Sandlot that didn't grab you? We were wa- we were watching it in class, and class ended. <laughs> That's oh, okay. it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. No, but but I definitely, from what I've seen of the movie, because it was it was a good chunk of it that I saw, and what I know about it, and how you were saying, like everybody who's seen that movie loves that movie because. You know, at the end of the day, it's about a bunch of kids just, like, hanging out. And in a way, it's less about baseball and more about it's it's like a it's a hangout movie. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the kind of movie that I'm talking about where it's just about like a group of friends just like being together, enjoying each other's company and doing something they love. Yeah. And that's what and. And just the the legend, like the dog and everything. You've got this sort of like this mythos that these kids have built up just by being together and and doing this thing that they do all the time. So no, I I get it, and I I just I need to go back and watch it. So do better, Chris. You do, because apparently it wasn't good enough for you to go watch it on your own. Yeah, <laughs> I want you to That's sit. I want you to stand in front of every single one of those kids as adults now and tell them that their hard work was not good enough for you. Yeah. The man, there's a real life Benjamin button disease person in that movie. <laughs> in Patrick Renna. Okay. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. He, he has not changed. You're talking about ham, right? Yeah. 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 Ham has not changed. I saw, he started popping up on TikToks, and he looks exactly the same. And yeah, he, he does. He, he is he like, does. he is like the poster boy of, 90s kids 
sports movies because he was also the goalie, which is basically just the catcher in soccer of what was it? The big green. And he basically plays mm-hmm. the exact same character. And in both, oh. like he has not changed at all. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm scared the for ni- him. The nineties fat kid. Yeah. The nineties ginger it. fat kid. Yeah. That's yeah. it. You know, <laughs> everyone had one of those guys in their group. You know that, right? Uh-huh. Oh Yeah. <laughs> And if you didn't have one in your group, look in the mirror. That's all I'm saying. So, oh, uh, oh, you know. hold up. I was just looking. I, I was making sure that I was thinking of the right actor. Patrick Renna is apparently a Scientologist. Oh Oof. goodness. So yeah. Tom Cruise. Uh huh. Tom Cruise. Anyway. He's him and Tom Cruise. Good friends, I bet. You know, it's got to be Probably. Church of Scientology. I don't know. I don't know what else they would be doing other than hanging out with each other. Yeah. <laughs> where where is the sign? Where's Scientology? Where is that church located? Firmly in L.A. Like that is in L.A. Yeah, through and through. There's one in Atlanta. Yeah, but it all stemmed from the. Yes. I think it all it yes. all grew out of the L.A. And like, there's still a huge like there. It, it's weird how much it looks like the Mormon, like the main Mormon building in Utah. No, oh, but dude, it, you it, stole it right out of my mouth. Yeah, but the the Scientology building in in L.A. looks almost like the, I think they call it like the Scientology complex or something like that. But it looks dude, almost exactly like the Mormon building in Utah. I'm a big fan of just voting to move the headquarters of Scientology to Salt Lake City, Utah, and just have like a battle royale <laughs> across the street from the Mormons. Okay, like. Big churches side by side and just let them battle it out. That'd be one heck of a sports movie right there. All right. There you go. I like apparently it. Mormons are killing each other. According to that Netflix documentary, that thing was fire. What if we just had like a, like a decathlon or like an Olympic mm-hmm. games, but only for Scientologists and Mormons. Ooh. Okay. You know what I'm saying? No one would watch that. I'd watch the shit out of it. I mean, I they'd would. watch it, but you wouldn't be entertained. Like, like, like you think. Are you, you kidding would. me? Like I can just, just imagine it's like, oh, we're getting ready for the Mormon Scientologist decathlon. Look, over the hills in their covered wagons come the Mormons. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Well, the Mormons have a distinct advantage because they can just breed their own athletes. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they can breed as much as they want. I mean, wives they got. That's what I'm saying. We yeah, just cut. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to see the analytics of this episode. After uh-huh. <laughs> here comes, here comes Bob and his wife Mary, Louie Ann, and and also Becky. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, might want to pull this one out. It's all staying in. It's all staying. All right. So then, my my number two, I guess you would call it, movie before I get to number one, mm-hmm. Happy Gilmore. Okay. It got. Right. I, it's the funniest sports movie I've ever seen. That's I'm a just, bold claim. I'm saying, I mean, I'll put it over Dodgeball. Mm-hmm. I'm putting it over Talladega Nights. I'll put it over mm-hmm. Blades of Glory. And, and the only reason is is that the comedy in that movie in the 90s was pure gold. All right? I watched it as a kid and loved it for just Adam Sandler hitting the golf ball the way he did and yelling at the golf ball and acting crazy. I watched it as an adult and went back and got all the inside jokes in that. You know what yeah. I mean? So. That movie was just pure comedic gold, I think, in the time and what it was, and that was just a, a pure masterpiece for me. And Adam Sandler did a phenomenal job, I feel like, in that movie. Hmm. It was definitely one of it's definitely one of Sandler's better comedies overall. Yeah. Because I think I think a large part of it is Christopher McDonald as Shooter McGavin. Yep. And they're back and forth, and then just seeing him get the shit kicked out of him by Bob Barker. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, and 
yeah, the a lot of the bits work. So one of the things that that Sandler tends to do is these big over the top characters, mm-hmm. and Happy Gilmore was one that was like somewhat believable. Of course, you had the conceit of like, you know, he he's great at slap shots, so he's automatically an amazing golfer. But like, moving leaving that aside, like, who cares? It's still it's still just very cleverly written and and grounded enough and ridiculous enough that it yeah it works really really well i think a lot of people forget about ben stiller in that movie that's one of the villains yeah Uh uh-huh and he was hilarious in that movie very similar to the villain in dodgeball yeah which fun fact he has confirmed that the villain he plays in dodgeball is the same character from Heavyweight. Heavyweight. Okay, I was gonna bring that up because I feel like that, ha- like at the very least, that's inspired directly from. But he has confirmed that it is like a. I guess he. What did he changes his his changed his name and identity after after heavyweights? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen Tyler? Have you seen heavyweights? I'm assuming. I have not seen heavyweights. Wow. So imagine Ben Stiller's character is basically just like his name is Tony Perkis. And it's basically the same. What what was his name in Dodgeball? Mm. It's ben Stiller. I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. But um, owner of Globo Gym. Yeah, right. Yeah, Mister Globo Gym. So it's the exact same character. But if you put him, if with if you surrounded someone that obsessed with like peak physical perfection around a bunch of like fat nineties kids. So like, yeah, Kel Mitchell, the guy that played the guy that played the goalie in Mighty Ducks was in it. And then just a bunch of other fat kids. Right. (laughs) White Goodman was his name. White Goodman. Mm hmm. Interesting. White Goodman. And Dodgeball, by the way, is on my list of honorable mentions. So I'll just run those down. We're not going to break these down, but Cool Runnings, honorable mention, The Blind Side with Sandra Bullock. I just liked the movie. I thought it was just a cool story overall, just how they picked up that that kid. I think the reason why I, thought, I, I draw a connection to The Blind Side is because you got this southern rich family mm-hmm. who pulls in this homeless black kid and gives him a place to stay mm-hmm. in Mississippi, of all places. And I think it's just a cool story. Just, it, just, just shows, it just shows you a different side of, of a southern rich family that most people don't really think would be there right so yeah. i thought that was just cool but anyway i said i wasn't gonna break it down i lied to you guys i'm sorry i'm a liar we got talladega <laughs> nights i think that, that everybody knows about that movie we don't need to break that down oprah Rimpy, help me i'm on fire blades of glory i thought that was hilarious yep. um i will i will i want to just give my my favorite blades of glory moment that one part where the the asian reporter is asking john header a question john header's character in that movie a question and Will Ferrell interrupts and says, no, that's in the other room. That's my favorite part <laughs> of, of the whole movie, dude. I'm just like, what? That, and he said it so confidently, and the, and the Asian reporter looks at him and just sits down so confused. <laughs> I don't know that Blades of Glory will ever – I don't think – I don't know that it's ever going to get like a, like a cult status where people are coming mm-hmm. back to it in droves. But I definitely – I hope that it will be recognized as this kind of hidden gem kind of made at the height of Will Ferrell's 
career because that came out around the same within that same stretch of time as Anchorman, Dodgeball, or not Dodgeball, but Anchorman, Talladega Nights. You know that yep. that that string. And I guess it's I don't remember it didn't have a lot of his other regular cast of of people, did no. it? No, it was pretty much just him, John Hedder, Jenna Fisher, and then Amy Poehler and her then husband. Oh, shit, what's his name? The one that was was Lego Batman. Will Arnett. Will Arnett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That movie movie was great. And then number one for me, and I think you guys saw this coming from a mile out, but remember the Titans. For no, I thought Denzel Washington really captured that role. I, who who better to play that role than Denzel Washington, I feel like, right? Mm-hmm. Just from the moment of the first scene of that movie where he comes in being the new coach in this southern town, mm-hmm. even though it's Virginia, which is really a liberal state now. We all know. I mean, it is. It is. I don't is. know if you guys have seen it recently. Still, it's kind of changed. I, I don't know if you've seen it. still very southern. <laughs> it is. Home of Robert E. Lee. But yeah. they voted recreational marijuana. No, 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 medicinal marijuana in. But that's a big step for Virginia. So that is that's all. I, North Carolina, get with it. But uh, anyway, when it comes to the remember Titans, I mean, the first scene where he walks in the gym and Petey's smiling, he's like, "Why are you smiling?" Yeah, he said, "Cause football's fun, sir." And he just goes in this whole monologue with uh, Petey, and then how he references back to that joke. And for those of you that think football's fun, you know, we'll see what you think at the end of camp and stuff like that. And this is the story of, of the two the two friends, Gary Bertier, and for some reason the other guy's name is just escaping me, but both on defense and they how those two became the leaders to turn that team around to to join each other and have unity in the face of res- racism in the sixties was just insane to me. I thought it was an amazing story. I thought it captivated everything that it needed to from a standpoint of capturing what that time was really like. And as, as we said earlier, it had the ultimate villain, which you can't put on any one person, but a plethora of people. And that was racism at the time of that movie. So that's my number one movie for what it's worth. Agree or disagree. I don't care. That's my opinion. No, it's, that's understandable. Cause I mean, it's got, so it, I think does, while I wouldn't say that it's my top sports movie, I think it does right. a better job than any others that I can immediately think of at transcending the sport without forgetting the sport, right? Like there, there's plenty of other yes. movies that we can talk about that are, are about like field of dreams. I think is an example of this where it kind of, it, it's always got foot or baseball in frame, but it kind of like the story ultimately is about way more than just baseball. Remember the Titans, I think does a better job of staying focused. Everything is, is circling back to the football team and the football games that it's about. But it does a great job of using that as a vehicle to tell a much larger story, if that's making sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's There's a reason that everybody has, probably most people that went through public school in the United States in the last 20 years has seen that movie mm, at least four times. Because yeah. whenever there was nothing going on in class and it's like, we're going to watch a movie today, it was almost always Remember the Titans. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it does, yeah, exactly what you said, Harrison, like pretty much just echoing what you said, because it uses it uses football to frame that story because most sports movies, particularly team sports movies, are about the team learning to work together as a unit. And so, like, you take that struggle that's inherent to the sport and then put it in the backdrop of the 1960s in the South 
with racism around every corner, it, yeah, they go hand in hand and it, it does a beautiful job of that. So, yeah. yeah. And it's got Ryan Gosling. So, you know, uh huh. Yep. Why would make you sure like you that? remember the Titans? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's your top list. So, I w- I'm just going to I'm going to beef with you for a second because there are a couple of glaring omissions from your list, Tyler. Yeah, the most moving. And I will. So this is a little bit of an unfair advantage, but I think that there is one story. Yep. That I I feel it, it feels wrong to compare it to Remember the Titans because this movie isn't about anything as near as heavy or important as Remember the Titans. But okay. if we're talking purely about purely sports movies, purely about the sport that it is representing. There is a series of movies that I think does a better job than Remember the Titans or any of the other movies that you mentioned, and that is The Mighty Ducks. Here's why. Three movies spanning the actors. I mean, it spans, what, 10, 15 years probably for the actors over the amount of time that they were made. First movie, you got the underdogs. You got the ragtag team of kids who were just running around Minnesota, kicking cats, starting fires, and then boom. Minnesota. An alcoholic... Emilio Estevez comes into play after a DUI That's just accident. Emilio Estevez. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. But right. he, so he comes in, whips these guys into shape, and they come back to beat the Hawks. It's that pure story that you're talking about of the underdogs come back and they stick it to the, the rich kids. Then yeah. they, they up the ante for the next one. They have their Ivan Drago moment because now – They've got to go to the Junior Goodwill Games, which is just a copyright play because they probably couldn't get the Olympics to actually back the, or the Junior Olympics to back them up. So they had to make up a whole new thing. But they've got to go in. And now they're not just facing the Hawks, baby. They're facing every team from like the five countries that they talk about, which is like Trinidad and Tobago, Sweden. Like it's just like a bunch of really random countries. But you got the the team at the end. Coolest villains in any sports movie, in my opinion. You got the team from Iceland with Vikings on their jerseys, and their coach is, I forgot what his, Wolf the Dentist Stanton, who was a former NHL player who got kicked out of the NHL for being too much of a problem. Like, he was too rough and rowdy for the NHL, so he got kicked out and had to play in Europe. And now he's coaching youth hockey team. And then, boom, again. the The first movie is all about coming together as a team. The second movie, it's all about taking on new people because in this movie like you've got the original ducks but then they have to add it on and so now you've got this whole problem of like how do we grow as a family versus just be in a family that came together and then the third movie they have the balls the absolute audacity to make that movie about playing defense the third movie they go to junior college it's like a boarding school and the first two movies the ducks have been flashy They've been pulling off these tricks and the flying V and the third movie. You'd think that they're up in the ante even more. No, they're just playing a junior or they're just, it's just junior, the JV team versus the varsity team. And the one thing the ducks haven't learned how to do throughout these last two movies is play defense. So the whole movie is about playing defense and it still is great. Really? Yeah. See, I haven't seen the third one. The third one is no so that was the... the third one is so wildly underrated. It is so good. They so they do a lot of things in that third one that should have been a death note for the movie. 
They mm-hmm. remove Emilio Estevez as the coach, so they write him out of it. He still is present in it, but they bring in a new coach. They change the setting entirely. Most of the original cast is the same. I think the entire original cast is the same. But they downgrade the stakes because now it's like they already went to a, a an international competition. Now it's just they're at a boarding school and it's JV versus varsity. And they don't make it about them having to learn these new flashy tricks or something. It's like, hey, you guys are really good at scoring goals, but you can't keep your own net clear. So we're going to learn how to play defense. And wow. they make it entertaining, and it ma- they make it really good. I, The Mighty Ducks, in my opinion, is the best, bar none, sto- sports story in film. And the show's pretty dope. If you have Disney+, Plus, it's, like, definitely geared for kids, but it's got just enough, like, flash for adults to get something out of it, if you like Disney stuff. Huh. Well, damn, I've got a, I've got a trilogy to watch. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> Tyler, any thoughts on the Mighty Ducks? I liked the Mighty Ducks growing up as a kid. I liked all of them. Which one was the one where they were Team USA? Was that the second movie? That was the second one, yeah. yeah. Okay. That one was good. I, I liked I liked all three movies. I'll just be honest with you. I thought Miracle, though, was a better hockey movie if we're going to talk better Shut hockey movies. Mouth. That's just saying. abominable. That, a uh, Miracle, Miracle is a good movie, though. Miracle is a great movie. The other one, and it's funny because I'm, I'm realizing that there are all, like, there is a surprising disney presence that i didn't expect talking about all these sports movies had anybody else picked up on that oh yeah like the rookie well they they had a they had a run of that through the 90s and early 2000s where they were just cranking out sports movies like the rookie came out in something like oh two remember the titans was 2000 miracle was like oh three oh four something like that i would just throw two other uh, a couple other honorable mentions did you ever see another disney when the greatest game ever played Yep. That's another that great. Mm, that's a banger. That one might mm-hmm. be my favorite like golf movie. Happy Gilmore's fun, but I think you get a I don't know, like Happy Gilmore's a comedy that happens to have golf in it. The greatest game ever played is a true like I if I didn't look up the fact that it is a true story, I would not believe that that was a true story because it's so wildly unbelievable. And then the last one that I would bring up is and I don't know Tyler if you've ever seen it. Um, the Warrior, or sorry, it's not The Warrior, it's just called Warrior. Warrior. Yep. It's warrior, got Tom, warrior, warrior. Tom Hardy, Nick Nolte, and I, can't, I always Is forget. It Joel Edgerton? Joel Edgerton, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the basic story is it starts by following Joel Edgerton and Tom Hardy individually. Joel Edgerton is a science teacher, I think. He's like a high school science teacher who's just basically trying to make ends meet. And he start, he's trying to make ends meet because he used to be, I think, a wrestler and in high school. And so he, on the week, like kind of as he's moonlighting at some like, you know, bar, you know, cage matches. And then you've also got Tom Hardy, who is all we really know about him at the beginning is that he's, he's served in the military, but he's really doesn't talk about it. And he's trying to get into MMA. And so what we come to find out is that they are brothers and Nick Nolte plays their ex alcoholic super abuse or formerly super abusive father who has been estranged from like both of them and so there is a tournament it's like a it's like a mortal combat style tournament but it's like the like it was this is like at the height of like affliction t-shirt mma and so there was like a there's some sort of like a, a major like a sparta tournament or something like that but they both individually are able to get into this tournament 
And so the whole story is like you kind of know what's building up, but it's them coming to and they like you find out that they have been estranged and for various reasons they are completely out of each other's lives. And so they start there's like they're on this collision course in the tournament. And the acting is incredible. It it does another it's similar to Remember the Titans in that it ta- it uses the sport of MMA to really represent the family struggle that's going on between these three men and Nick Nolte turns in in my opinion unquestionably his best performance I've ever seen in, an, in a single movie. There is a scene where he it shows him dealing with alcohol and it's just nuts. I, I know it's a super big stretch for Nick Nolte to have a scene where he's really convincing as a drunk, but it's <laughs> it's so fucking good. <laughs> it's so good. Not yeah, I, I think I have seen that movie. Like I said, I usually watch movies once and kind of forget about them. But I do vaguely remember watching something like that with yeah. uh, my cousin Josh. So uh, I feel like I do know that. But that's a good movie, though. Good, good inclusion. Yeah, yeah. So we gotta. Well, well, when we do our follow up to this, we'll we'll get your thoughts on on a couple of these movies we haven't that each of us haven't seen. Yeah. So guys, I I know you know we we've had a good conversation here. I, normally I'd ask this to Chris, but Tyler, what have we learned today? Well, what we learned today is that there are a lot of movies that you guys have watched that I haven't in the sports <laughs> world, which is shocking okay. because that's what I do. And we've learned that you just guys like deep movies. That's what you guys like. I got a little comedy here, a little carefree. I mean, do you have any comedy in your top 10, Harrison? You didn't give us your top 10, but no. was there any comedy in it? I didn't need a top 10. I had the Mighty Ducks. But Okay, whatever. Whatever. Ducks. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> But we learned today that Tyler doesn't watch a, a whole lot of sports movies, despite what he likes to talk about on his podcast. But, you know, if you ever want to swing by the unpopular but accurate side and see me debating my co-host, David, you're more than welcome to do that. And listen, as I, my call sign on my show, what I'm getting off of it is, if nothing else, we hope we at least entertained you. All right. All right. All right. Well, I Tyler. Like it. Thank you so much for being a part of today's episode. We'll be seeing you again soon, I am sure. Um, Absolutely, Chris. You want to tell them where you want to tell them where they can find us? Nope. All right. Well. <laughs> All right. Fine. 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 Yeah. Reach out to us. Making a scene mail. Making a scene mail at gmail.com. You can find us on the Insta, on the Facebooks. Just you know, type in the name of the podcast. It'll. Also, thank you for the support so far. We have, at the time of recording, more than 150 likes on the Facebook page. Not sure if any of y'all know this, but Harrison and I have attempted this podcast thing before, and in the course of (laughs) a couple of years, never even hit 150. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, to, to echo that, I mean, we... We, uh, we are super appreciative of all the support. We hope that you guys are enjoying this. And if you're not, let us know why you're not enjoying it so we can fix it. Yeah, or you're, not. Yeah, just don't. I mean, do you. I think that's important in today's world. Just just <laughs> do what you're going to do. Yeah, we, we, uh, we're we going to be doing another Filmmaker Spotlight next month. Or excuse me, next week. And there will probably be a little bit of crossover between this and that. But yeah, we appreciate you guys. Let us know your thoughts and uh, we will hear from you soon. See you next time.